Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. If you're in a situation with either a nurse, a doctor, an LC, whatever, sometimes women just feel like, well, I just have to take this or this is what it is. No, no, no. Like you don't have to, right? So if any, any healthcare workers are doing something that you're uncomfortable with, then you are completely allowed to say, please leave my room, please get the charge nurse, um, those kind of things as well. So I just want to make sure women know that like they have those rights, they can speak up, they can um, kind of guide their experience as much as possible. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hey guys, happy Monday. So this week I am doing an episode part two with Lindsay from Lactation Link. If you guys tuned into last week's episode, I talked with Lindsay all about different terms, um, labor and delivery type terms that we use that sometimes, um, you know, you don't exactly know what they mean. So we just kind of went through a lot of the different terms and defined them and talked a little bit more about them because Lindsay is a former labor and delivery nurse. So she's super knowledgeable in all things labor and delivery. So this week, I wanted to have Lindsay come back onto the podcast and do an episode all about breastfeeding because, as we know, Lindsay is from Lactation Link and she is an IBCLC, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. And when it comes to breastfeeding, she is the lady to ask questions about. So... I've done episodes on the podcast before answering some of y'all's questions, but I've always said, been very transparent with you guys that I am not an IBCLC. I've breastfed two humans, (laughs) two babies, um, and I've helped moms breastfeed but I am not a certified IBCLC. So when when you really have questions, that those are the people that we recommend going to for your questions. So this week we talked a lot about milk supply because I know a lot of you guys have issues with milk supply and there's just, there's a lot of questions surrounding milk supply. So we talked about milk supply. We talked about skin to skin and the importance of skin to skin and breastfeeding and how those two kind of tie into each other. We talked about latching. We talked about um, lactation consultants in the hospital and how to approach them and how to get, um, you know, best advice from them and how to utilize them because that's something that we definitely recommend doing. And yeah, then Lindsay ended with her top three tips um, to get a good start for breastfeeding. So this was a great episode. Definitely tune in if you are pregnant and you plan on breastfeeding or if you just started breastfeeding or, you know, if you didn't just start, but you're breastfeeding right now and you want to hear an episode all about breastfeeding, definitely tune in. So without further ado, let's get into Lindsay's second episode all about breastfeeding questions. 
Before we get into this week's episode with Lindsay, this week, this episode is sponsored by Lactation Link. So I wanted to tell you guys about some of the courses that they offer. As a student of one of the Lactation Link courses, you'll get a few great benefits from being there. Number one, you'll gain confidence before baby even arrives. A lot of people think that they can just wait and just figure it out once baby gets here. The truth is the minutes, hours, and days after baby gets here are very busy and tiring for new parents. I can, yes, agree with that firsthand two times now. (laughs) The courses will lay a foundation of knowledge for everything you need to know about breastfeeding. Next, you'll also create a plan A and a plan B. As an L&D nurse, I've witnessed hundreds of first moments between parents and baby. Sometimes doves fly when it comes to that first feeding, and sometimes it takes time. They teach you how to prepare for either and how to initiate your milk production and maintain your confidence in any situation. Next, you'll learn how to create an insurance policy for your milk supply. There's one little known concept that they teach every one of our parents, and it's a simple proven way to not only start with a great supply, but continue to soar months later. And finally, you'll get results. As you dive into the course's content and meet the community, you're on a path of mastery. While it's not necessarily easy, the transformation that you'll get together matters. If you want to check out any of Lactation Link's courses, you can head over to their website, lactationlink.com. They've got three different courses to choose from breastfeeding basics, breastfeeding hurdles and how-tos, and pumping and storing breast milk. I've personally went through these courses and they are the gold standard, guys. These are fabulous, fabulous put together courses. And I really love how Lindsay takes the approach of getting you guys really, really confident about breastfeeding. That's what I like to accomplish um, when I'm teaching my birth courses. So naturally, I love courses um, where, you know, she's all about instilling confidence. So just head on over to lactationlink.com and check out her courses. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here again, times two. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. If we weren't Can such, you... you know, blabbermouths, right? I know, I know. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So can you just, um, I know p- if people listened to last week's episode, um, they know who you are, but if people are just tuning in, can you just tell everybody um, just sure. a little bit about yourself and where you are in yeah. the internet and all that good stuff, then we can get of right course. into the episode. Yeah, my name's Lindsay Shipley. I'm a registered nurse. My background's in labor and delivery. I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant. I have a company called Lactation Link where we have online breastfeeding courses and support forums as well as one-on-one consultations. My most important title is mama of three. I have an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, an 18-month-old. Um, and a little bit about my personal journey. I'm also a cancer survivor. And so um, yeah. I have kind of that unique aspect to me. And um, I've had my own like unique struggles that I never saw coming with breastfeeding. And I think that's what's made me so passionate about helping um, other women and families for sure. Totally, totally. Well, I love it. Um, so this episode, we are going to kind of transition. We ended last episode talking about some postpartum breastfeeding terms. So this episode, we actually, I put out a box a few days ago, um, asking from you guys some top questions, top breastfeeding questions that you guys have, because God knows there's just so much stuff that comes Mm -hmm. up when you talk, when we talk about breastfeeding, it's just, there's so much to learn. So we thought it'd be cool to just kind of do the rapid fire session with Lindsay, Mm -hmm. who's an IBCLC. She's, she's the 
top dog here when it comes to breastfeeding. Oh. She knows all <laughs> everything there is to know. So oh my good, ex- good expert to consult with. So let's get right into these questions. So this first one is I'm a first time mother worried. My body won't produce worried. I won't have enough milk. There's like I, this so was, these are all from different women. I put yes. these in here so people can understand what a big concern this is. Yeah. I was going to say, do you want me to read the whole thing? I mean, yeah, this is, yeah. it's all, it's all, all the, generally women. the same question, but like it, it, it is pretty crazy that mm-hmm. this is like such a work, like such a huge worry among moms. So it's, I'm a first time mom worried. My body won't produce worried. I won't have enough milk. What if I won't be able to produce enough worried? It won't work worried when baby first latches. I won't have milk. My number one worry the whole time was supply. Wish I'd studied more on latch due in six weeks. What do I do? Help anything I can do to ensure breastfeeding works. Yeah. Wow. That, that is a lot. Right. Um, and there was more, there was actually more. So, um, I get, I like, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me to be honest, because for some reason, like society messaging has just made women question so much about their, their own capabilities. Um, and just that internal voice. And I think that you probably see that when it comes to labor and birth and you do such a fantastic job of empowering and educating and, Um, you know, really, I think our main goal is putting parents in the driver's seat, right? Because we understand that different things are going to arise and and everyone listening needs to understand my birth may not go exactly as I write down on paper. My breastfeeding experience may not go exactly as I write down on paper, but if I write these things down and I'm educated on how that, how all of it works and my research-based options. I'm going to feel so much better later that I was an integral part of that decision-making process. And I was in the driver's seat, right. Rather than walking into the hospital birth center and kind of being acted upon and feeling like you have to put full trust in everyone around you. Um, we want to put that trust like back inside of yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the same thing goes with breastfeeding. It's sad to me. And I think that's why I'm here and why I started a company called Lactation Link. Because yep. I saw this hundreds of moms, you know, that were worried um, about breastfeeding. And I, and I understand like uh, our study doesn't do a great job of education and support. You know, um, we yep. need to do better with that because it's not all on the mom to do this. Right. Moms are the heartbeats of our communities. We're the ones that take our babies to the doctor, remind our spouses to go to the doctor, um, are volunteering in schools, right. <laughs> you know, volunteering in schools, yeah. helping communities thrive. So why is it that we're abandoning women during this most monumental milestone in their life? It's yeah. actually kind of just not cool, right? It's very um, sad. Very, very sad. You're absolutely so right. All that to say, I want to empower you that 95 to 99% of women have the physiological kind of tools um, and equipment to be able to produce a full milk supply. Okay. So really only one to 5% of women are going to have underlying conditions that make it so that Mm -hmm. breastfeeding, creating a full supply won't work for them. That doesn't mean that they can't do mixed feeding and do Mm -hmm. some at the breast or use a supplemental nursing system. Right. Um, so I want to say that not to say that it's going to be 95 to 99% of women's choice or what works best for them, but I just want to empower you that most likely your body was made to do this. Um, so let's just get some really great foundation on. So, you know what to do to make, to make it a little easier on you, right. Out of, out of the gate. 
Yeah. Um, because I don't want you to have all this worry, right? I want you to have confidence and I want you to have a plan A and then, okay, plan A is not working. Baby's not latching right away. That's okay. I know it's not time sensitive. So what's plan B, right? Right. Um, and so the first thing I, I think here, Hey, I'm a first time mom. I'm a fifth time mom. Or somebody said below, I had a terrible experience with my first. I want to try with number two, but I'm scared. It'll be the same. We have so many parents that come to us after having a previous poor experience, but they've got this little glimmer of light that they haven't closed down because they wanted breastfeeding to work for them. And, and they're like, Oh, I don't know. Should I, should I not? I want to, can you help me? Absolutely. We can. And we reach our hand out and they come into the courses and they have a completely different experience um, with their next baby. And I think that also goes into understanding that each baby's different, right? Yeah. Somebody said something about, I had a pretty good experience with breastfeeding my first. Could it possibly be different with my second? It can be because every yeah. baby's different. So, so it's important that you continue to learn and you do a refresher before each baby, because you may have a different, you may need to put more tools in your bag because there may be another sure. issue that you need to pull out a different totally. tool for the next baby. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I always tell moms that even like second and third time moms, even though you might remember, unless it's been a really, really long time since you've had a baby and you've breastfed, mm-hmm. even though you're mm-hmm. a previous breastfeeding mom and you remember foundations, your baby baby has never breastfed before your brand new baby still has to learn how to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's a learned behavior between both mom and baby. Okay. Um, and although it is natural, it doesn't always come naturally right out of the gate. Right. Um, the other thing, a couple of things that come to mind are that, you know, trying to master a sport in one night, but that's not, you know, that's not going to be fair for anybody or conducive. That's a good way to Um, put it. Yeah. Yeah. And then also we had another client, uh, we've had multiple clients that have said similar things to this, but I focus so much on the birth that I forgot what I'd be, you know, I forgot what I'd be spending the majority of my time doing once baby came and that's feeding. Right. So it's important, obviously, um, to prepare for that labor and birth. And I think that sets the stage for you to be in the driver's seat of your own journey. Right. Um, but we also need to feel empowered and educated and supported for all those things that are come going to come immediately after. Right. Um, and also understanding and not putting that pressure on yourself to have to learn something brand new when you may be exhausted, you may be experiencing a rush of hormones. Um, just so many things that could go on right after it's, you know, when somebody comes in to talk to you about breastfeeding, if somebody comes in, it might feel like you're Charlie Brown and it's the teacher with the want, want in the background, Uh right? Because, Uh because, and not to any fault of your own, it's just, you can't absorb any new like linear information. Well, and you're Uh, just exhausted. I mean, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So to answer this, where it says doing six weeks, what do I do? Help. Mm-hmm. Um, jump into a breastfeeding course. You know, we have some available. If if you if you don't do ours, I want you to make sure it's led by an IBCLC. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the gold standard in breastfeeding education and support, and lay that foundation because once again, we know through research, the number one indication of breastfeeding success is that course beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. And then get two people on your side. Okay, we call it uh, you plus two. So once you've decided that, okay, I do want to do breastfeeding, that's important, you know, like it, mm-hmm. like you, it needs to be right for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, get two people you can turn to for support, right. That could be your spouse. It could be your mom. It could be your neighbor. It could be a La Leche League leader. It could be an IBCLC, whoever that is, write those two names down. Um, so you, you've got a foundation of education and then you've got, you've started, you know, uh, building a little support network. I think those things are going to be kind of your basis. 
um, for all of these mamas, these sweet moms who are wanting to breastfeed, but they have concerns and they have worries and they are very valid for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's that first bullet point. <laughs> Love it. Well, let's go into the next one. The next one's about skin to skin. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this, uh, this question says, what if skin to skin doesn't happen? And I know how important skin to skin is in terms of breastfeeding, but how does that play into breastfeeding as well? Yeah. Yeah. Skin to skin is huge. It's actually something that we call a core subject over at lactation link, something that we educate on every week. Um, because I think some different things have happened. Like it's kind of like, okay, baby was born. Let's put this huge swaddle on them. Let's pass them around the room. Let's mm-hmm. put them in the bassinet. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of just a societal thing that we've seen, whether on movies and pictures, whatever. Um, and truly I think we have to peel back the layers and understand more of the physiology, the biology of this newborn, um, and the environment they've been in for nine, 10 months has been their mom. The only thing that's familiar to them is their mom's voice, their mom's heartbeat and their mom's scent. And so if we do, uh, unnecessary separations after baby is born, it can start a cascade of things that lead to interventions that lead to um, difficulty establishing breastfeeding relationship, all these kind of things. So, um, it's so important, kind of like the soft landing to earth side, right. Or, (laughs) um, easing the transition from inside life to outside life. The very best possible place is mama's chest, if at all possible. Um, and so we do a lot of educating. There's a whole section in the courses about advocating, and you wouldn't think that you would need that, but we just don't know who your birth workers are going to be. And we don't know what right. routines they're right. set in, right? right? Just, I'm sure you do the same. Right. Um, and so we talk about momentary separations to go to the warmer may seem harmless, but we're not able to see what's happening inside baby's body. And we know through research, Dr. Nils Bergman tells us that uh, momentary separations can cause a 10 times spike in cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone inside babies. So we talk so much about um, talking with your healthcare provider well before your due date, reiterating once you get to the hospital um, to your birth workers. And then in the moment, let's say somebody comes in and, okay, that's so great. You've had a minute or two with baby. You know, now I'm going to take him to the warmer for a check. Um, speaking up and saying, oh, I would love you to check baby. Um, can you do it in skin to skin, please? That I would love baby to stay right here with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are fantastic ways um, to stay in the driver's seat and um, really advocate. Skin to skin is huge. Um, and it will really help do many things, right? It's going to establish vital signs, like stabilize vital signs. So baby doesn't have to go to special care or NICU nursery, you know, at least decrease that risk. Yeah. Um, it's going to help moms, uh, pick up on hunger cues so much faster. Oh, I'm sure. You know, there's, there's studies that they've done, even when baby's two feet away in the bassinet, this blew my mind when I learned it a few years ago, um, frequency of feeding goes down and mom's ability to recognize hunger cues go down just when baby's two feet away in the bassinet. Yeah. So as much as possible, we want baby to stay in that skin to skin, um, position, not just for that golden hour. Um, but to go back to Dr. Bergman, he talks about the first 1000 minutes mm-hmm. and that equals out to about 16 and a half hours postpartum. And usually, you know, sometimes the first response is, well, what do you mean? They're like, right. how am I going to get able to get up to pee? Right. <laughs> right. And I think the key is just as much as possible. Right. So yeah. if obviously mom's going to have their own needs. They need to get up to the bathroom. They need to eat something. They need to close their eyes. Um, so a partner can be a, a nice secondary um, they are going to probably spend some time in the bassinet. 
Um, but just kind of increasing that awareness of true skin to skin, not baby swaddled, being passed around the room for hours and hours, but that true skin to skin as much as possible, I think it's going to be the minimal, like minimal thing to do. Like it's not a big intervention. It doesn't require machinery or anything like that with the maximum impact for both stabilizing baby, helping them transition and then getting breastfeeding off to the very best start. Yeah. Um, that being said, I also want to mention there are situations where skin to skin can't happen. Like, and it's very legitimate, right? right. Whether we have a crash section where mom's, you know, under general anesthesia, whether we are having unexpected blood loss, whether like baby came out and is just not transitioning well at all. Of course, um, you know, best place to transition is on the chest, but it's beyond that. And baby's having difficulty breathing. There are definite reasons um, where skin to skin can't happen right away. I've had a few moms message me that'll say, oh, I feel guilt around this. And I feel like, I may not be able to bond with baby as well, you know, and we could link Dr. Dr. Bergman's um, video on his research in the show notes. And I, Mm -hmm. if you watch that, he talks about, that's okay. Like things will happen and you just get started as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to worry that, you know, this is going to have, you know, lifelong effects um, on you and your baby's bond. Not, you know, things happen. And then we just do the very best that we can. And it may be a different experience that we wrote down on the paper, but it doesn't mean it's bad or it's not the perfect one for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you have really, you have the rest of baby's life to bond with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, I hope it starts to trend towards, you know, we change that goal because the golden hour, you know, that's super important, of course, Mm -hmm. but I hope we start to transition into Mm -hmm. pushing more skin to skin, the golden like you said, a thousand minutes instead of the mm-hmm. golden, the golden hour. Well, I love it. Yeah. And we will get right back into this week's episode after a quick break from our sponsor. As a mom, it can be totally overwhelming trying to figure out which products you should use with your little ones, especially when it comes to supplements and remedies. Not only do you want to make sure that the products you're using actually work, but you also want to make sure they're safe for your family. Meet Wellaments, the first certified organic line of supplements and remedies. Not only is every single product certified organic, but they're also bottled in glass and preservative-free, made with clean ingredients. Wellaments makes it easy for new moms to prepare for baby's arrival with their bundles like their O Baby Bundle, which includes everything you may need in those early days. From gripe water for tummy troubles to tooth oil for teething and everything in between, Wellaments has a little something for everything, including your baby's daily supplements like multivitamin drops, vitamin D drops, probiotic drops, and more. If you're a breastfeeding mama, their vitamin D drops are a must-have. Make sure to add Wellaments bundle to your registry or gift one to a friend. New moms often forget to register for products like these, but they are so nice to have on hand when you need them. No more running to this store in the middle of the night to grab gripe water. For a limited time, you can use my code LIESEL, L-I-E-S-E-L, for 15% off your entire order at Wellamins.com. This can be stacked on top of their already discounted bundles too. I can't wait for you to try these products. And now let's get right back into this week's episode. So this next question is how to deal with an aggressive LC in the hospital. That is a touchy, touchy subject. All the LCs that I work with at my hospitals are great, but I know I have heard this 
before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually when I first started, I heard it a ton um, from women who were coming to in-person classes and things with me. And um, it goes back to, you just don't know who the staff's going to be in the hospital, like all the best thoughts and all the best intentions, but you do have to be able to like kind of put your foot down or just, just kind of be in that driver's seat. Right. And it's not rude. It's not this or that. Um, who else is going to advocate, you know, rather than you or your partner or a doula, if you have one. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think what this person was talking about is sometimes the, the, the LC will come in and I think you need to understand something is that sometimes nurses will just be assigned to do lactation for the day. So it's not necessarily someone who has a credential in lactation. So that's the first thing to kind of recognize. And you may want to ask, is there an IBCLC at this hospital and can I see them? Or you may, you know, if someone comes in, you can ask, you know, what their specific credentials are in that. So just for transparency, because it's hard to know, um, on the patient side, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, the IBCLC will come in and be fantastic. Other times they'll come in and they may start to kind of put their hands on your breasts a little bit, or Mm -hmm. they may just be a little bit like, this is the only way to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm just speaking from basically feedback I've had from people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and if that starts to happen, I guess I would say a couple things here. Our students, a lot of times that will take our courses, they only call in an LC if they're like, I'm, I, something's gone wrong that I, I absolutely don't know what to do. Right. A lot of times if things are going really yeah. well, they're referring back to the app, they are, um, things are going well, they don't necessarily need that. And so they're just like, Oh yeah, come in to check on me, but they're not really relying on step-by-step instructions from them. Um, I'm not saying turn away support, like, like at all, like all, yeah. all forms of support are great. Right. But you're going to feel less desperate to, you know, have someone come in if you feel like you kind of have that plan out of the gate. That's all I'm saying there. But if somebody comes in and and you're feeling uncomfortable, you can always say, Oh, oh gosh, um, do you mind do you mind asking before you touch if if at all possible? It just I just wasn't expecting that or um that's not good for me. Like you can always, you know, say something there, right? That's one way. You can also just kind of cut the visit short, right? Um, and just say, hey, I think I'm good, you know, um, in that regard. You can always ask them, hey, you know, do you mind just sitting right here? I have a few questions, um, but I want to make sure that I can do it myself because yeah, I know you're not going to be here. Yeah, I know you're not going to be here the whole time. So I'd love just to ask you questions and I'm going to do it because I learned by doing. Yeah. So that's another way too. Um, but I also, you know, don't feel like you just have to, if you're in a situation with either a nurse, a doctor, an LC, whatever, sometimes women just feel like, well, I just have to take this or this is what it is. No, 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 no. Like you don't have to. Right. So if any, any healthcare workers are doing something that you're uncomfortable with, then you are completely allowed to say, please leave my room, please get the charge nurse, um, those kind of things as well. So I just want to make sure women know that like they have those rights, they can speak up, they can, um, kind of guide their experience as much as possible. Love it. Love it. All good things. I totally agree. So let's talk about this next one about clothing. So did this person ask, do I need any specialized clothing to breastfeed? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this is a big one. Um, So there's definitely like breastfeeding friendly brands out there. Um, And I know like several of them and they're great. And I think that that's one avenue to go. If you are like, Hey, I don't necessarily want to get a bunch of like nursing specific clothes. 
there's so many little hacks that you can do just like, Hey, wear more like little V-neck t-shirts to where it's easy to pull, you know, pull down easily. Right. Um, something called the two shirt method where you kind of have like a tank top on underneath your t-shirt so that you can pull up the t-shirt and then click down the tank top. So you still have coverage, but you're not needing to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars. You know, Um, the only thing I would advise against is maybe don't wear like a one piece shift dress. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because then you'll be breastfeeding with your, your, you know, your t-shirt dress up around your neck and underwear is out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just kind of look at your existing wardrobe and say, okay, what pieces would work and make sure it's a top and bottom that can be separated or that can be easily pulled down like a low V-neck. Um, you know, typically that's going to work just fine. Personally, I like to get some nursing bras because that yeah. just worked well for me to have that yeah. clip down. Agreed. Um, a couple of people asked about nursing bras. I'm sure you have a blog post. I have a blog post that we could yeah. show and throw in the um, show notes for sure about that. Um, just remember that your breasts are probably going to change over the course of your pregnancy yeah. and even a little bit after delivery. Yep. So you kind of want to get more of those like, um, nursing bras that are going to grow with you during that time, or that can easily be pulled down like a wrap style mm-hmm. versus when you feel like your milk supply has settled down probably around at least two weeks postpartum. That's where you can get more of the cup size nursing bras. Mm-hmm. You can even use an underwire. And I know the whole underwire thing is controversial. As long as it fits right, yeah. the underwire is not going to lead to mastitis. However, if it's yeah. cutting into your body, um, it can kind of clog ducts and, mm-hmm. and create issues that way. So I would just wait for like kind of those more fitted bras once you're at least two weeks postpartum. Love it. Well, that's good yeah. advice because I have that question too of like, will I really prefer an underwire bra during the day? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Can I, yeah, but I've heard about mastitis. So I'm glad that. I'm glad that you referenced that. That's real important. Yeah. Yeah. So this next question is what can I eat while I'm breastfeeding? So are there right. any restrictions, Lindsay? Right, right. Okay. So this is like a like such a frequently asked question. And moms, I think, just want to do the best for their babies, right? So they just kind of think like, well, what can I do? Like, what it, you know, do I need to change something? Like all yeah. that kind of stuff. So I think it's good to be inquisitive and and to think about those things. I guess I just don't want moms driving themselves crazy on something because right. the more like specific and hard and like limited, like something is the less likely you're going to continue with it. Like that's yeah. just how it is. That's why diets are so hard to stick to. <laughs> Dude, diet. I've been right? like, yes, I'm all about food freedom and yeah. diet do, culture, like uh-huh, rebellion. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do good for about three, four days and the weekend comes, right? Yes, Um, (laughs) yes, exactly. So, so all this to say is that the majority of women are going to be just fine and their babies are not going to be affected by what they're eating, what they're eating. So the recommendation is eat a varied, colorful diet, you know, um, anything that we're, even when we're not breastfeeding, we're supposed to kind of pay attention to, right? So minimizing sugar, minimizing fried foods, um, eating as many fruits and vegetables as we can staying hydrated, but we don't need to douse ourselves in water. Okay. And that can actually have a negative effect. If we drink too much water, um, it can kind of have a negative effect on our milk supply. So I think, um, realize that as long as you are just drinking to thirst and you're eating kind of in your normal way like everything is going to be just fine. Now, if baby has, Oh, I feel like their stomach was upset or they had a blowout. I don't want you to immediately assign that to what you're eating right Right. now. If, if weeks and months are going by that every time you eat a certain food, baby is just in pain. I think that would warrant starting a food diary by saying, I ate this. Here's 
there's less baby's reaction. And if you see a pattern, you can talk to your healthcare provider about that. Typically, the number one culprit, if there's going to be a culprit, is dairy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, so that doesn't mean everyone listening, oh, I got to cut out dairy right now. It just means that if you do see a repetitive pattern, dairy is typically the number one thing. Yeah. Um, and a couple other tidbits with like eating is just keep in mind, like breastfeeding is going to take another 300 calories a day, double that if you have mm-hmm. twins. Mm-hmm. So, um, you're going to want a little extra food, but sometimes, you know, it's just like a peanut butter sandwich. Like that's what your extra would be, right? Like the equivalent right. of what that, what that is. Um, and so, so keep that in mind. You're going to want to, and a lot of times we'll say, try to prepare one-handed snacks because you're going to be yes. eating, holding baby with that oh, other hand, yeah. right? <laughs> Like, like a burrito. <laughs> prepare those little like energy bites or buy yeah. them, right? Or little yogurt tubes, string cheeses, yep. um, pre-cut veggies and hummus, like smoothies that you can hold with one hand. Like yep. try to try to do things that are going to be easy to grab and go. And sometimes you can spend the last month of your pregnancy kind of preparing some of that stuff and freezing it if at all possible. Totally. So I love giving I that to tip. About, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love to say about eating and breastfeeding. Don't drive yourselves crazy with it. All right, if you just heard that baby crying, it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. So this Birth It Up Babies is from Amanda, and I haven't even shared this one on my story yet, but Amanda says, hi, Liesl, I had our baby girl. She's perfect. I was 38 weeks, went into labor, ended up with complications for my epidural, and had to give birth completely natural, no pain meds. I went in with the knowledge of your course, and once I was able to switch my mentality from having medications to breathing through the pain, rocked the labor. Only four pushes, and she was here. Thank you so much for all you do for mothers. It truly helps so much having the strength to just breathe and know I can handle the pain. It will be over soon and I'll have my baby in my arms. Thank you. Thank you. So sweet. I'm so happy that she was able to get through that experience without without like this overwhelming trauma of like, oh my gosh, I didn't get my epidural. This is the worst thing in the entire world because... I teach that in my course. I teach that in the epidural series that that definitely happens sometimes. Never be married to your epidural because you just never know how it's going to go. Sometimes, sometimes you get them and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you go a little bit too fast for epidurals. Sometimes they don't work perfectly and, you know, you still have some, some difficulties and some uncomfortable, painful contractions, even with an epidural. So it's always a good idea to be prepared, you know, with some pain coping techniques um, if you find yourself in that situation. So I'm glad I could help her out. If you guys are interested in the course that she took, she took Birth It Up, the epidural series. And if you head over to mommylabornurse.com, you can check that out. It's right on the homepage. All right, now let's get right back into this week's episode. Um, eat what sounds good, stay hydrated. And, you know, a small percentage of women are going to have to alter their diets. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, this last question is, can I keep my baby swaddled while feeding at night? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So great question. A lot of moms have this question and the reason why I would say no to this for a couple of reasons. Um, number one is baby, even like from the very beginning, is going to use those newborn reflexes to learn how to latch, right? Part of that is using their hands. And they're going to want to know, okay, they're going to find their landmarks on your breasts. 
area. They're mm-hmm. going to pick up on texture. Um, and then as they even get a little bit better with it, and my, my little guy did this in the OR with one of his hands, they might start to grab your breast like a sandwich, right? Yeah. Um, and that yeah. helps them. That helps yeah. them. It's kind of part of their like, you know, little survival tools, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so it can be it can be tempting to kind of swaddle the arms down because some the arm, sometimes the arms do get in the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Because baby mm-hmm. is trying to feel, and it's like, can you just get those hands down? Cause so we can get latched. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so I understand that, but we, it's like kind of putting, putting yourself in the straight jacket and then trying to eat your lunch, Yeah, you know, um, not so, comfy. so I wouldn't, <laughs> it's not so comfy. Yeah. So try to stay away from, from swaddling. The other thing is a lot of times at night, um, sometimes moms will bed share and breastfeed. And that's a whole other topic that we don't yeah. have time to get into. Um, but you definitely don't want baby swaddled if they're in their yeah. bed with you. It's a yeah. risk. So yeah. um, if you are going to bed share, make sure baby is unswaddled um, at night. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and the one that I didn't write on here that I did want to um, answer real quick was it says, what's the difference between low supply and normal cluster feeding? Great Ooh. question. Ooh, Great question. One. Um, so cluster feeding for those that don't know, it's just when baby is, seems like they're feeding back to back, like very frequently in what mm-hmm. seems like maybe a two to three hour span. Right. Yeah. And it can be very normal in the evening hours because milk is more being, um, consumed as it's being produced rather than in the morning and afternoon, there's more of like a little reserve there, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's totally normal in between the hours of like five and 10 to baby be, be kind of popping on and off the breast almost every hour. Right. And that's what we call cluster feed. Yeah. Sometimes you'll, you'll, that'll happen regularly. And then sometimes it'll just be like a pocket of two or three days that that cluster feeding happens. It's all dependent on your baby, their growth patterns, um, your breast storage capacity, all that kind of stuff. So I guess the first thing I would say is that if baby is on track and gaining weight, doing well, um, and they're feeding frequently at the breast, particularly in the evening hours, chalk that up to normal cluster feeding. Don't think twice about it. You may need a few strategies in place, like using a carrier or planning not to not a million activities in those evening hours. Try to front load your day a little bit more mm-hmm. so that you can um, cluster feed on the couch, feed up, that kind of thing um, as much as possible. However, if baby is going to breast frequently and they're declining their weight gain, um, their muscle tone doesn't look great. Um, they are having less wet and poopy diapers, their, their head growth and their length is not growing as well. Like all these factors, Mm -hmm. um, then you're more concerned about, okay, maybe we've got low supply. Maybe we've got slow weight gain. Um, let's dive into that a little bit more with baby's healthcare provider and the IBCLC. Love it. Yeah. I remember when I, breastfed my first one and I had issues with my supply with having low supply. Um, and he was just always cluster feeding. I looked at it so negatively, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, why is, you know, he must be hungry. He must be hungry. Like he's you know breastfeeding like every hour. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, my milk. Um, and then my second one, I looked at cluster feeding in a much more positive light because I said, Mm -hmm. if you get on more, the more you get on, the more milk I'm ultimately mm-hmm. the better mm-hmm. my supply is ultimately going to be. So like, oh. come on, <laughs> let's get on. Yes. And yes. you know, it's still cumbersome sometimes to sit when you don't want to sit and breastfeed. Um, yep. I get that, especially True. with True. a second child you w- might mm-hmm. want to be taking care of your second ch- or third child or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely made that mind shift 
change from my first one to my second one, looking at cluster feeding at a, at a, in a much more positive light and just, yeah. you know, a tool that my body was using and my baby was using to like help my milk supply. So yeah. that's kind of yeah. how I look at it. Um, but yeah, I know, I know it can still be annoying to say that, you know, if yeah. you're not annoying is the wrong word, but you know, if you're tired, I mean, tiring. You're tired, you're tiring. There you go. Yeah. Tiring is a perfect yes. word because it exhausting. is very tiring. Maybe exhausting is a better word. Yeah. No, yes. there's, there's no, um, you know, oh, this is just going to be perfect every single day. No. Right. right. Um, so I think strat- putting strategies in place, like, you know, can my kids go on any play dates? If I have, uh, you right. know, other kids at my feet, you know, um, right. if that's not an option, maybe I get one of these, we call magic nursing boxes, which is really just, you know, yeah. $1, $1 toys. I did that. Yep. Is, yeah. Put it at their <laughs> feet. You only get it down during, you know, nursing. So it's kind of magical. Yep. Um, trying to think of other strategies that are going to help lift a little bit of that load. Cause you're absolutely right. Like it can be a lot, right. Yep. Um, sure can. Yes. And I think the other thing to consider, like you said, like your different lens from different babies of cluster yep. feeding, um, is that to remember that whole first year is an ebb and flow of growth with yeah. baby, right? So it could be things like this cluster feeding comes up or maybe baby, you know, the classic one we get is baby starts sleeping through the night, like sometime yeah. third or fourth month. Right. And then fourth, fifth month hits and they start waking again. Yeah. That's actually normal. It's normal because yeah. baby's needs have increased, whether they're uh, physical calorie needs or they're emotional and they just go, Hey, where's that, that person that takes care of me all the time that yeah. I feel like. I still, you know, think that I'm that person. Where are they? I just want to see them for a minute, right? Breastfeeding is about more than just food. So I think in like what you said is like seeing these things as rather than a panic or like something's going wrong, as long as baby is feeding well, is growing well and thriving, cluster feeds, baby waking up at night again. These are actually signs that things are going just as they should. And baby is making the motions to titrate your milk supply to their needs. And I think women can think about it as think of a store inventory, right? If if an is really, you know, if it it sells at the same rate for a long time, they're going to be putting out that same number of product every day. If all of a sudden the demand goes up at night, they're going to look at, oh, okay, we were sold out of this today. Let's put two more out the next day, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Exactly how milk supply goes. And it's okay if it's not a straight line. It's okay if it, if baby needs a little bit more during that time and then it evens out a little bit more then it evens out. That's actually a sign that things are going just as they should. Love it. Love it. Yeah. All right, Lindsay. So we're going to wrap up with your top three breastfeeding, pumping, anything, new mom, probably breastfeeding tips for yeah. new mom. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people who are listening are either about to have their babies or yeah. they just have their babies and they're just in that yeah. phase of life, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. of new mom life of like, what yeah. the heck am I doing? So yes. what are your top three tips? Mm-hmm. for Sure. Obviously, like, so my zero tip. So before we get to one, two, three (laughs) is going to be take a, take a, uh, breastfeeding course, whether if you're pregnant and you're listening to this dive in as soon as you can, there's no perfect time to take it. I think anytime after 12 weeks is a great time to start. Um, and make sure whoever you take it from, we have courses available to you. Of course, we'd love to help guide you, but make sure you take it with an IBCLC. That's important. Um, 
so, and then if you're in the, in the thick of it postpartum and you're constantly crushing your supply or just wish you had more tools and resources, we would love to have you come on in um, and get started with us and you'll have access to our experts and our support form and things like that. So that's my number zero before we get into one, two, three. Love it. And then one, two, three, I would say my number one is skin to skin. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, We do a lot of discussion on that in the courses. Uh, We look at it in a little bit different light. And we'll teach you how something so simple that has actually, you know, been huge in the evolution, you know, evolution of, of humankind. Um, so, you know, so simple and innate, but has a tremendous impact. Right. Um, so that that's huge. And that's not only not only for that newborn time, any time that you feel like you're experiencing a bump. Um, along your breastfeeding or pumping journey, try to increase that skin to skin time, whether that's bringing baby into the tub with you. Um, that can be a really great trick. Like if baby's going on a nursing strike, um, get them in the tub. And for some reason, just that warmth, I don't know if it reminds them of, you know, uh, that utero uh, in utero yeah, in utero <laughs> or what, but a yeah. lot of times that'll relax them and they will latch right there, you know? Um, or, you know, Hey, I'm busy and I'm, I'm gotta be around the house and have hands for other toddlers put baby in a carrier with no shirt or bra on just that skin to skin. So they've got direct access to, to feed, um, there, but that is a simple thing that actually solves quite a bit of issues there. So skin to skin is huge. We actually have a hashtag skin to skin for win because it just, cool. yeah, it is a, it is a winner, um, when it comes to, um, helping everything be, you know, be better and easier. Yeah. Um, and then number two would be frequency of feeding. I think a lot of times people don't understand, um, how important frequency of feeding is and that milk is made on that, uh, demand and supply, right? So the more it's demanded, mm-hmm. the better your supply is going to be. Um, especially in that first two weeks, the first two weeks is called the calibration phase for your milk supply. It's really going to set the stage for your milk making capacity down the road. That's not to say you can't increase your milk later, but no other time rather than that first two weeks postpartum is as impactful, uh, on your milk supply. So there are things that you can do later on, uh, go back to the skin to skin, increase frequency, maybe try power pumping for 24 hours. And we have tutorials on all this inside the courses. Um, but just know that frequency is key. And, um, that's why we talk about skin to skin, because we know if you're in skin to skin, you're automatically going to feed more frequently. So yeah, frequency right is huge. It's right there. Yep. You're right there. So it's, it's important during that first two weeks for sure. And then anytime you're feeling like a, there's a little drop, sometimes moms feel like they have a drop during their, when their period returns, mm-hmm. get back to like bump up the frequency just a little bit during that time. Um, sometimes babies, you know, you go back to work and so, oh gosh, you're getting a little yeah. bit more used to the bottle or something like that bump up, um, that frequency during the weekends and at night, if you can, right. So, um, you can use it in different ways and different scenarios. And then number three, which is huge is don't panic, trust the process. Um, I I think when it comes back, comes down to women, like I said before, we just want to do the very best we can for our babies. Right. So when when things pop up, it can be, really concerning and it can make us feel panicked. Like, well, we want to do anything that we can. Um, so before you panic, try to take a deep breath, trust the process, um, and think, Hey, is my baby growing and thriving? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So what am I feeling? Am I feeling like my supplies dropped? Am I feeling like I need a break? What, you know, what, what am I feeling? Um, and I think that comes back to having your support system 
and having that foundation of education, then you can really rely on those things um, in those times that are feeling a little bit harder. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And the ability to give yourself a break because you've got, you know, um, you've got a trusted source or another mom that's going through the same things that you are. Right can remind you, Hey, you're doing an awesome job. And, um, you know, these three things worked for me or or something like that, but, um, trust the process, know that your body's made to do this. Sometimes you just need to bump up that frequency. Sometimes you need a little bit of a break because you're feeling touched out. You need to, you know, get out of the house Mm -hmm. and, and, and whatnot. But, um, but I, I know that when I've seen clients that have that kind of foundation, they're less panicked when things don't go perfectly. Like, yeah. you know, when we write yeah. down on paper because they have kind of those plan B's in place. Yeah. Their expectations are there. They're not like crazy, crazy mm-hmm. high and unmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yep, well, cool. Sure. Well, Lindsay, tell all of our listeners where they can find you. Cause I know that all of my listeners are going to come and follow you now oh, because this so is a sweet. fabulous episode all about I hope they do <laughs> yeah we'd love to have mommy labor nurse community come on over yeah see us on instagram at lactation link come and give us a follow we've got um you know tips and tricks that we're giving every week um and then jump into the courses we have got yeah. three breastfeeding courses. We've got breastfeeding basics, breastfeeding hurdles and how to's and pumping and storing. And you can buy them individually, or you can buy them in a bundle. 90% of our customers typically get the bundle because it's the best value. And there's no information that you don't need right in any of those. So, um, we'd love to see you inside of a course. You've got unlimited access, their healthcare spending account eligible. Um, and they're done in these just little short snippets. So you don't have to do like, Oh, I need one question answered and I've got to sit down for an hour class. Right. Um, so typically right. prenatally people take them start to finish and then postpartum they'll pop in for, um, a quick answer to a question. So yes, would love to see you guys inside the courses and on Instagram. Um, and love being connected to you as well. Lisa, thanks for all yeah. you're doing for families. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm waiting for lactation link podcast. Is that coming? Is that uh, something? Girlfriend, that I have a note <laughs> on my phone. If I were to start a podcast, you know, what topics would I cover? I've got a note, all this kind of stuff. Um, I would actually love to do it because I love, I, I love, I love chatting about it like this rather yeah. than sitting down and writing a blog post. Yeah. You know, I don't know why yeah. that is, but <laughs> Yeah. Podcasts um, are all the rage now too. Everybody yeah. starts so, one. So. so we will see. We shall see what the future holds. But I well, appreciate I'll you have, asking. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to come on to the lactation link podcast. Oh, if that ever yes. is an is a is a thing. <laughs> yes. Or yeah, cool. come on over to stories or yeah. Yeah, love cool. Love cool. it, love it. All so. right, Lindsay. Well, this was so fun. Um, definitely all of you guys who are listening, go and follow Lindsay. We will leave your courses and all of your resources in the show notes page for people to check out. Thank you so much. Okay. Love it. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. 
That's it for this week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.